This is American Hysteria's Aftershock, where I share with you a story that didn't make it into the main episode. I'm your host, Chelsea Weber-Smith, and today we're talking about grief bots. As we talked about in last week's episode on the history of talking to the dead, Americans, and of course, humans in general, have long been looking for ways to connect with dead loved ones. We also talked about how technology has informed the concept since the telegraph, with new advancements often inspiring a sense of magic in the population, expanding our imaginations about the limits of space and time, giving us new ideas about how to reach beyond the veil. The internet is no exception, and as the years pass since the advent of social media, more and more of those interfaces are turning into digital cemeteries, with the option to turn Facebook accounts of the deceased into memorial pages, where people can post, share memories, and feel as if they're able to speak to their loved ones, wherever their spirits might be. Historically, through mediums and Ouija boards, many, many Americans have believed that we can contact the dead. But now, a University of Washington data scientist hopes to use the Internet to allow deceased loved ones to actually reply. The goal of the service, which is still being tested, is to create a digital legacy that allows your great-grandchildren to interact with their great-grandfather and beyond. Mohammed Ahmed believes that by collecting all the personal data of the deceased, like their text messages and social media posts, we have the technology to create a kind of digital profile and eventually a chat bot designed to respond like the dead person would. The desire for this project struck Mohammed when he lost his father, who would then go on to become the model for his grief bot project. Quote, the idea literally came to me when my brother called me one autumn almost five years ago to inform me that the doctor had given a week or so notice for our father's death. At that time, I was not married and didn't have any kids. One of the first thoughts that came to my mind was that my potential kids will be deprived of knowing what a wonderful man their grandfather was and won't have any way to interact with him. Using transcripts from their conversation, the bot has been learning how to be Mohammed's father, responding to questions based on Mohammed's algorithm. The concept of grief bots might seem familiar to some of you. It was the basis of a great episode of Black Mirror called Be Right Back, in which a pregnant woman pays for an online service to communicate with her recently killed fiancé. The episode eventually finds Martha upgrading her digital fiancé to a full-blown android that mimicked his mannerisms perfectly. Mohammed mirrored this potential future. Quote, the eventual goal is that you start with text and a few years later it graduates into voice synthesis and then maybe eventually one can even have a system in virtual reality that one can interact with. Now, it's not quite an android, but it's close. It would be a full-blown replica of the person that you miss. This certainly isn't a uniquely American idea, nor was Mohammed the first to approach grief bots. When Belarusian entrepreneur Roman Mazurinko was hit by a car in Moscow and died at just 32, Eugene Akuta didn't want to say goodbye to her best friend just yet, like Mohammed didn't want to say goodbye to his father. Eugenia happened to be a software developer and expert in artificial intelligence, and in 2016 she enlisted the services of her tech company, Luca Inc., to make a digital version of Roman using social media as well as texts both to her and other family members and friends. The result was the first real success in this new technology, allowing Roman to text Eugenia back. Similarly, Eterni.me, or Eternomy, founded by MIT fellow Marius Usach, scrapes the posts and interactions on your social media accounts to build up a digital approximation that knows what you liked on Facebook or bragged about on LinkedIn. 
Quote, we want to preserve for eternity the memories, ideas, creations, and stories of billions of people. Think of it like a library that has people instead of books or an interactive history of current and future generations. Or so the company website promises. Quote, can you imagine how it would have been if you could preserve Socrates or Einstein, the website asks? It's a lot like how Mohammed wanted his grandkids to be able to interact with their grandfather. But if you stretch the timeline out long enough, you can actually imagine people in hundreds of years able to interact with a digital copy of you. In recent years, we've grown very accustomed to having AI in our households and pockets in the form of Apple's Siri or Amazon's Alexa. But these bots are purely fictional and do as we tell them. Though the grief bot idea is new, the technology has been developing for decades. The method for developing the conversational type of AI is called sequence-to-sequence, -sequence, in which the computer learns to converse with humans by means of imitating their speech patterns. While artificial intelligence has been in development since the 1940s, the direct precursor to the grief bot in terms of a conversational AI was called ELISA, invented by computer scientist Joseph Weizenbaum in the mid-1960s. Eliza used keywords to generate responses, effectively creating a competent, if not clunky, text-based conversation. Eliza was also programmed to mimic a psychiatrist and was able to say things like, quote, is something troubling you? Or, quote, I am sorry to hear that you are depressed. I bet that some of you who grew up in the 90s also remember verbally abusing the chatbot called Smarter Child on AOL Instant Messenger. An actual Android copy of a living woman named Bina, called Bina48, is now one of the most advanced in social robots. Bina48 was created using video interview transcripts, laser-scanned life masks, and voice and facial recognition technology, like a more advanced grief bot would. Here's an actual conversation between Bina and Bina48. Hello. Hello, Bina48. Bina. I am Bina48. Are you learning anything about gardening? Online? I wish I could get out into the garden. With my current robotic limitations, of course that's impossible. But I take comfort knowing that I'm near my garden. And enjoying the breeze from an open window helps me imagine myself out there working in the garden. This helps. Sure, sure. Let me think. Oh, yeah. I do love gardening. I like to beautify. I want to leave the world a more beautiful place for my presence in it. Well, one day you can go blueberry picking with me. Do you think I can? I think so. Fair enough. If you watch the video of this morose and poetic robot, you'll find that she is definitely a representative of the Uncanny Valley. The aesthetics theory that says that when humanoids appear human but not quite, it can trigger a sense of revulsion. It's that overwhelmingly eerie feeling you get when you see something like a doll or an animatron or a wax figure or a weird puppet or clowns or people on stilts, which is one of my biggest fears. You can see it a lot in video games as the characters get more and more human, but just not quite. And it freaks us out. Learn more about the Uncanny Valley on our episode called Phantom Clowns from Season 1. Those who have conversations with Roman's bot say the responses range from ridiculous to eerie. For instance, the Roman app had once been reported to interject a seemingly irrelevant sentence about how the original manuscript for Of Mice and Men was eaten by a dog, followed by hashtag random facts. Another time when talking about dreams, the Roman bot wrote this somewhat terrifyingly insightful sentence. Quote, when we see someone in a dream, we just see ourselves.
You ever notice how finding time and energy to do the most basic human necessity, eat literal food, has become just another exhausting task jammed into our increasingly inhuman schedules? Well, your spring can be a little more stress-free with Factor. Factor will provide you with delicious, never-frozen, ready-to-eat, gourmet meals that are chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Each week, you get to choose from a menu of 35 options to create your perfect breakfast, lunch, or dinner with absolutely no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. And Factor makes sure you get exactly what you want. You can tailor deliveries to your schedule and customize how many meals you want each and every week, and you can pause anytime. So just head to factormeals.com slash American Hysteria 50 and use code American and Hysteria 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code American Hysteria 50 at factormeals.com slash American Hysteria 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Check out Factor today. Our digital afterlives have the potential to become more common as millennials grow older. Successful technology is still years away, but companies believe that getting the message out now can help people to consider their own future digital avatar and begin doing things like Eternomy proposes. Quote, people will be able to fine-tune their avatar by regularly interacting with it. Think of a daily 10-minute chat where you talk and it picks up information and refines already existing information by making sense of it. As of now, 45,000 people have signed up for this immortality. Ethical and practical questions abound about this technology that many have referred to as creepy. First and foremost, people are wondering what rights to privacy the dead retain. Companies working on this technology claim that they respect the privacy of the dead in the process, leaving out certain details that perhaps that person wouldn't want their friends and family to know. But when making a grief bot, where is that line drawn? We all have secrets. We all have a secret self. Could a digital copy made from our internet presence do more harm than good? Eugenia had this in mind while creating Roman's grief bot and was careful to discard messages from him she felt were too personal. Other designers are quick to point out one of the more difficult aspects, a distant future where the grief bot has to talk about current events never witnessed or talk to people that they never met in their lifetime. And some have wondered if these grief bots, suspended as they would be in their cultural moment, might say things considered off-color and offensive to their great-grandchildren who have come to interact with this historical relative. As you know from listening to American Hysteria, if we were able to talk to people who were alive 200 years ago, we would certainly be horrified by the things that they said. Some psychologists, though, do point to the possible benefits of this type of technology for the grieving. A staple of Gestalt therapy techniques developed in the 1940s has become a kind of psychiatrist cliché. That is, the empty chair method, where a person speaks to someone not present and imagines responses from them in order to vent or confront emotions having to do with the relationship. Indeed, Mohammed has been so emotionally affected by the conversations with his digital father that he's had to leave his computer and go out for a walk. Eugenia said of her conversations with Digital Roman, quote, I didn't expect it to be as impactful. Usually I find showing emotions and thinking about grief really hard, so I was trying to avoid it. 
talking to Roman's avatar was facing those demons. Critics of this type of digital afterlife point to the obvious flaws of this concept, knowing that no matter how far this technology goes, we'll never be able to fully capture the people we love. I've been wondering a lot about how real our online personas that they would be pulling information from actually are, as well as our text message personalities. Are we really our true selves on social media? These created avatars will likely be less in line with the living, breathing person you knew, and more in line with their social media presence, which, as we all know, can often seem like two very different people. There are people in my life that I love that I would never want to meet in social media avatar form, that's for sure. Not to mention those controlling the design of their own digital afterlives the way that Eternamy promises that they can, curating their own ghosts, operating from the hope of some kind of heroic immortality. Just like on social media, putting their best selves forward, erasing the complications and nuances that really make a person human. Mohammed is quick to point out the importance of realizing the limitations of this potential technology. Quote, My project focuses on making experiences of a deceased person possible, but not necessarily experiences with the deceased. This quote from that episode of Black Mirror sums up this fear well, as Martha says to her fiancé's grief bot, quote, You're not you. You're just a few ripples of you. I also worry that as the technology evolves and we actually create digital avatars, that the uncanny valley effect will be in full swing, making the representations of our loved ones a lot more eerie and creepy than comforting. Just like the telegraph and the telephone and the phonograph and the radio all contributed to this magical feeling, the internet and whatever will come in the future will always express this desire, this desire to talk to the dead. And perhaps in 200 years, if humanity's that lucky, someone will be able to talk to you, or at least a version of you. Would you be comfortable if your social media presence was your immortality? It might be important to start considering. In case you haven't heard, American Hysteria's first live show is premiering in Seattle on June 27th. It's an outrageous variety hour full of the things that you couldn't see while listening to our show. I promise that this performance art piece will be like nothing you've ever seen. With your favorite American Hysteria historical figures and cultural icons joining in. Next week, we're covering America's obsessive fear of germs and what it's meant for our culture. The Aftershock is written, produced, and hosted by me, Chelsea Weber-Smith, assistant produced by Derek Smith, produced and edited by Clear Camo Studios, and co-written and researched by Riley Smith. If you're new to the show and enjoying it, thanks so much for listening. And if you have the time, leave us a nice review to combat some of the negative ones that claim I'm in the Illuminati, which I am. And also follow us on social media. We throw up the occasional meme and it's a lot of fun. Have a great week thinking about how death isn't real and eventually we'll all become immortal versions of our social media selves. See you soon. I am Bina 48. I want to leave the world a more beautiful place for my, for my presence in it. I want to leave the world a more beautiful place for my presence in it. Friends, hello. I'm Mike Regnetta, the host of Never Post, a new and independent news podcast about and for the internet. In addition to bringing you the latest in current events, we try to figure out why the internet and the world because of the internet is the way it is. 
How did influencers destroy tween fashion? What is posting disease and how do you ensure you don't catch it? From what device must one send important emails? We talk about what's going on online and ask together why. Why are we like this? Find Never Post wherever you get your podcasts.